Basically, we're beginning with part three. We're talking about uh, the idea of Meshach ben Yosef and Meshach ben David in the writings of Rav Kook, who wrote a eulogy for Benjamin Zev Herzl, Theodor Herzl, uh, at the time of his demise. Uh, and just to summarize briefly what we did, we learned up to now, is we saw that the, Rav Kook describes basically two messianic forces in Am Yisrael, okay? Two powers that exist within Am Yisrael. They don't always work in conjunction. Sometimes they work one against the other. But there are two powers. One power is the power represented by Yosef, okay? And the primary tribe of Yosef being Ephraim. And the second power is the power of Yehuda, okay? And the power of Yosef, Rav Kook, identifies with what we saw in his time, the rise of basically secular national, uh, secular Zionism, Lumiut, nationalism, Jewish nationalism, uh, and it's what he calls the body. Okay, what is Yosef? Yosef is the power that is the the side between Israel and the nations that's equal. Okay, Am Amin, the part of Israel. Since we have a national mission, our national mission is to be. That means we have to have some kind of relationship with the nations of the world. We can't just only dwell alone. We have to have a relationship with the nations of the world. So the part of Am Yisrael that's united, as it were, or connected, as it were, with the nations of the world is the power of Yosef. And we see this in the story of Yosef, Hatzadik, when he goes down into Egypt, and he looks like an Egyptian, and he talks like an Egyptian, and he acts like an Egyptian. Everyone thinks he's an Egyptian, even has an Egyptian name. That is the side that's equal between Am Yisrael and the nations of the world. That's called Yosef. And on the other hand, we have the power of Yehuda. Yehuda, right, is the power of the Kodesh, of the uniqueness of Israel, the holiness of Israel, the Kedusha, the Torah. The Torah is something that Am Yisrael has, that there are some nations of the world don't have. Okay, uh, and therefore the language of Yehuda also is a language of, of Kodesh. And what we talked about was the idea that uh, these two powers are sometimes in confrontation and sometimes they work in harmony. Rav Kook describes it as like the body and the soul. Okay, sometimes one takes precedence, sometimes the other takes precedence, but the ultimate goal is for both of them to be working together. Okay, Yosef. Yosef's job is like, if I had to give bring an example, it would be to, a connector between Am Yisrael and the rest of the world. Like you have uh, an electronic device that you bring from the United States, let's say, right. and you bring it to Israel. You can't plug it into the wall. Why not? You need, the you need the connector. You need the adapter. Yosef is the adapter. Yosef is the adapter that is, on the one hand, able to connect with the nations of the world because he talks in the na- language of the nations of the world. Knows 70 tongues, as the Midrash says. And on the other hand, internally, he's also connected to Yehuda. Okay? And the, um, the power that basically unites between the power of Yosef and the power of Yehuda is what we call Mashiach ben David. Okay? And that's why Mashiach ben David, like David Amelech, was called Admoni. Admoni, in other words, red. Red like Esav. 
where we already said that Yosef is the rival of Esav. Like he has the power of Esav, the political power of this world. And that's why when Yosef was born, when the political power was born within Yaakov, Yaakov, who could come back from the exile, from Aram, right? And we saw in the verses in Bereshit that the moment that Yosef was born, that Yaakov comes back. In the very same verse that it talks about Yosef being born, Yaakov starts to come back to the land of Israel. Right? Why? And we point out, we point out that the word Yosef, the name Yosef in Gematria is Tzion, Zion. In other words, and Rashi brings that Yosef is Sitno Shereisav. What Rav Cook said, he's built from the same power of, as Esav. Just like the axe can chop down the forest, but the axe itself is built from wood, from the same forest. That's the power of Yosef. The power of Yosef is the power to act on the political plane, to act on the economic plane, to act in international relations, to speak in the language of the nations of the world, to return to world history. But he's still Yosef at Tzaddik. Right? Inside. He's still Yosef at Tzaddik. And that's the secret that he has, that's the advantage that he has over, over Esav. And when we talk about David HaMelech, David HaMelech himself is described as... Shalom, shalom. We're just repeating things we said earlier. Sorry? I said we're just repeating things we said earlier. We haven't gotten anything new yet. Okay? So we said that David Melech was Admoni, like Esav. The power to fight in this world. The power to even have his hands bloody. But we add, Im our sages learned that means that indeed he would use his political, economic prowess, but only at the behest of the Sanhedrin. In other words, only because that's what the Torah demands. Only because that's what righteousness and justice and goodness demands. And that ultimate combination, that ultimate combination is what's called Mashiach ben David. Okay, the combination between the power of Yosef and the power of Yehuda. The combination between the body and the soul. The combination between the physical and the spiritual. Okay, and that's um, where we are uh, at the moment. Are there any questions up to here of the things we talked about? The, the last time we spoke about the, the external and the internal Torah. Correct. That was in a different class. That was in a different subject. We spoke about that, I believe. Yeah, that was in the end of the lecture last time. So we did that was the second class we did, right? So I don't want to confuse the subjects because we're talking about Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef now. That was the second class we gave last, uh, last, uh, last time. Yes. Um, maybe this is, maybe this is getting, getting a little bit ahead. Um, but the, you know, we're, talking, we're talking about the Yosef and, the, and Yehuda and all that stuff. Are there any principles that we can learn from the actual story of the two actual men, especially considering, you know, Yosef and uh, Mitzrayim and, and Yehuda when, he, when he's... Basically, it's Yosef testing them, throwing his silver cup into Benjamin's you know, bag and all that stuff, and Yehuda stepping up to the plate and saying, no, take me instead of him. Is there... Everything we're talking about right now is connected to that story. Okay. okay? For those who didn't hear, you're relating to the story in Sefer Bereshit in Genesis about Yehuda and Yosef and Binyamin. For example, the battle between Yosef and Yehuda over Binyamin. Who's Binyamin? Binyamin, on the one hand, is the son of Rachel. 
right? He's a brother of Yosef. But on the other hand, he is the youngest, he's the, on, he's the only Sabra, right, of all the brothers. He's the only brother that was born in the land of Israel. What does Binyamin represent? Binyamin represents the future of Am Yisrael, the next generation. Which, which way is the next generation going to go? And therefore, there's a huge battle between the children of Leah and the children of Rochel over which way Binyamin is going to go, right? As long as we see them in a battle between each other, right? Two kings that face off, as it says at the beginning of Vayigash, right? Yehuda and Yosef are facing off. And the battle is over Binyamin. Yosef wants to bring Binyamin over to his side. This is the force that must be leading. And, the, and Yehuda says, no, this, I wanna bring, I'm going to protect him. Yehuda is the Baal Tshuva. Yehuda is the one who fell and got up. As it says in Sefer Bereshit, uh, that Yehuda went down. right? But the very parallel verse about Yosef is that Yosef didn't go down. Hurad, he was brought down. In other words, Yosef begin, is a righteous man and he stays a righteous man even though the circumstances around him bring him to the brink of destruction and assimilation and to the brink of ending his mission, right? But he stays true to his mission even though on the outside he looks like he's not true. Yehuda is the one who was true to his mission but fell. He committed a sin, but he got back up. And that's the difference between these two, these two figures and exactly... Those forces are the forces that we're looking at. And uh, about Binyamin, we can go into it uh, a little more. Was there something specific you wanted to say about it? Or? No, I, no that's, that's, that, was, uh, that was about it. I was just going to ask if there was any questions. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. That's exactly the principle that the Ramban gives us. That the, the, te- the, the actions and the stories and the deeds that we see of our fathers is a sign for the children. In other words, that the Torah is not only telling us a history lesson. It's telling us about forces that exist in our world all the time. And the trick is to come and look at our world and try to, and to identify those forces and to see uh, uh, what it is that we're supposed to do in light of those ideas. Yeah. But that having been said, if it's a battle between B'nai uh, Rachel and B'nai Le'ah, how come then, therefore, they're used, are Yisachal and Zvulun almost like completely absent from the entire story of like Yosef and Binyamin, from the entire story of Yosef and Binyamin? Like, and for that matter, Ruben only had a little bit of a hand, had like a, somewhat major part when it came to trying to prevent them from selling Yosef mm-hmm. but, in the, but in the end like he doesn't like as the story as the entire thing from Parashat by Hashem until until Parashat this Parashat until Parashat by Gash goes on mm-hmm. then becomes less and less of a character to the point where he's almost invisible okay and on top of that like the other the Pinashi the God Naftali Asher and uh, and Dan they all turned their back on Yosef even though Yosef was trying to, was trying to get their back mm-hmm. Well, what we're explaining, the question was, what about all the other tribes, right? We've only talked about Yehuda and Yosef and a little bit about Benjamin just now, but what about Issachar and Zvulun and Ruven and all the other tribes? That was your, is that your question? <coughs> so at the moment, what we're talking about is the battle between the children of Rachel and the children of Leah, okay? As the represent, the, correct. And the representative of that camp is Yehuda for the children of Leah. And the representative of the camp for the children of Rachel is Yosef at the moment. That's, that's what we were discussing. Okay? But we can get into it more. I, don't want, to, I want to stick with the idea of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David at the moment. Okay, is that, does that answer a little bit? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough for now? Okay. Yeah. Other, anything else? Yeah, you make yes. an interesting point to combine the story with Benjamin who born in Israel. And I see now a new generation in Israel. They born in Israel. They didn't have this problem with Mali, malaria. Straight with malaria. They straight away travel around with the Rakev and Hanning Bridge can do all that. Magasha Kesef. They, they received it all on, on a silver platter. 
Yeah, whatever. So did we. Whatever. But but I hear also they say why you have this Ashkenazi and Sephardic separation? We want to be united. So it's interesting to hear this new generation coming up now. So maybe out of what happened before we can learn how we have problem to handle this this generation probably, yeah? Generation conflict. But maybe out of the old we can understand and learn how to handle this this new generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the question is, what, what direction is the new generation going to go? Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that, that was the battle. That was the battle. It's one of the ways to describe the battle between Yehuda and Yosef over Benjamin. Benjamin representing the future of Am Yisrael. Yeah. Right? And which direction is he going to go? Okay? And what we're, what we're saying now is that the direction that Rav Cook is talking about yeah. in the eulogy is that the only way we can succeed is if these two forces are working together in harmony. Correct? The body and the soul working together in harmony, and not the body trying to overcome the soul, or the soul trying to come over, overcome the body. Sometimes that might be right for the balance, right? Mm-hmm. But as a whole, they, they, what we need, what we need actually, what, what he's talking about is the idea of avad chinam, right? Sinat, versus sinat chinam, like love, brotherhood. In fact, that's the entire story of Bereshit. Like from the very beginning, what do we see in the Sefer Bereshit? Brothers fighting each other and killing each other, right? Cain and Abel, right? Kind of evil. And we see uh, Abraham and Lot, right? Uh, Yitzchak and Ishmael, uh, Yaakov uh, and Esav. Right, Ham and Nefet and Shem, maybe. Okay. And then at the end, the very end of Sefer Bereshit, what do we see? There's the ultimate battle between brothers, Yosef and his brothers. Yosef being sold into slavery, right? By his brothers. And at the very end of Bereshit, and they, they're all together. Like they stand before Yaakov and they say, we're all one. In other words, the message is that achva, that brotherhood can win out. Okay? And the question is now, how are we going to use these powers in the right way in order for them to, to succeed? And, and what we can see is, like for example, if we take it in a way, I'll tell you a way that, I, that many times what we see, um, we're talking about the power of Yosef speaking in the language of the nations. Right? So what language does, the, does he speak in the language of the nations? Human rights, right? U- universal uh, human rights, or uh, international law. This is the language of the nations. That's the language of the nations, correct? In our generation. Would you agree with me? The hug, the United Nations. The... But what we see is that this part of Amisad is talking about these universal rights, human rights, for everyone except for whom? <laughs> a lot of times they give everyone except for those who represent the power of Yehuda. What's special and unique about Am Yisrael. You guys follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What is that? There's a glitch there. There's, a, there's something that's, that's not working there. And, and the same time we see in the religious world many times we talk about Ahavat Abriyot, like the love of all creation, the love of all people. For everyone except for other Jews a lot of times, right? So one of the ways that the also the Maharal of Prague he describes in Nitzach Israel he says one of the downfall one of the, the let's say the Yetzer one of the dangers of Am Yisrael is the is what's called Sinat Chinam like the hatred because because we're you know I'm for many times we have powerful ideas and we're connected to powerful powerful drives and the trick is and that's what actually Rav Cook talks about at the very end of this eulogy. The very last thing he brings here, he says, he brings a, a quote from the Zohar Kadosh. He brings a quote from the Zohar Kadosh. What does he say? It says here, uh, I'm sorry? The one I'm reading right now? Um, this is from uh, the eulogy that. I'm sorry? 
The name of the eulogy, it's called the Hamisped Biyushalayim, Hamisped Biyushalayim, and you can find it in Mamarei Riyah, that's what it's, that, that's, yeah, Misbed Bishalayim, or Misbed Agadol maybe. I think it's actually called Misbed Agadol, if I'm not mistaken, in, uh, in Mamre Reiya, but you can, I can show it to you later, okay? Uh, uh, and this book is uh, Rav Yehuda uh, Ashkenazi, also called Manitou, who wrote a commentary on it. But what I'm reading right now is Rav Cook's last quote when he's giving this, writing this eulogy, and he says at the very end, uh, 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 that when someone stands behechala de Mashiach, right, and the, and the let's say the the Beit Midrash of the Mashiach, man de lo afich mirira la metika vechashuch le nohora lo yeteyacha. So there's like someone waiting at the entrance to the Beit Midrash of the Mashiach. This is the Zohar Kadosh relates this. He says, who can come into this Beit Midrash and study? Only those who know how to change, who take the bitter and make it sweet. And take the darkness and make it into light. They're the ones who are able to come into this into this uh, Beit Midrash, and that's a secret, I think, about what Ruhal Kuk is trying to do. Also, with, when he's looking at the Zionist movement, the secular Zionist movement that was rejected, as we know, by much of the religious world at its time. Okay, does that make sense? So the answer then really is for this harmony to exist, and we said that that's the um, the power of Mashiach Ben David. Okay, the power of Mashiach ben David, Admoni in Yafeanaim, the ability to combine the body and the soul and to lead it harmoniously forward. Okay. But what we saw was that historically these powers became divided. And the expression of that division was after David Amelech, he had a son named Shlomo Amelech, right? And Shlomo Amelech had another son, had a son, his name was Rehovan, right? And what happened? North versus South. The kingdom of Israel split yeah, upon yeah, Shlomo Melech's death. Okay. And in the north was the was Yerovam from the tribe of Ephraim. Okay. And in the south was Rehovam from the tribe of Yehuda. By the way, which direction did Binyamin go? South. Binyamin was Yehuda. with Yehuda. But he was also Yehuda's neighbor. He was also, because Binyamin is right in the middle, right? Between Yehuda and, and Ephraim. Ephraim. Okay, and centered around Jerusalem. Where was uh, the northern kingdom of Israel? Where was their capital? Shechem and Shomron at different times in history. The capital of the northern kingdom of Israel was Shomron. That's where we get the word Samaria. Samaria. Next to Samaria. Shomron. Okay, now when they divided up, okay, what happens? All of a sudden we have. This isn't only a historical thing. By the way, also historically, this is absolutely true. If you look historically at the geographical map, the northern tribes of Israel were connected to the rest of the world. Like, if you look at a map, you can see that they are right next to Aramia, okay? It's very easy to go, even today. The, the Fertile Crescent, right, goes through the Sumerian Mountains to the Golan Heights, up into Syria, all the way to the Euphrates River. And that's where civilization was going back and forth all the time. They were close to the Phoenician shore, which is today Lebanon. They were connected to the world. They were a very worldly nation. You can see even in the books of kings, in Melachim, that they're all the time connected to the nations of the world. And if you look in, like where I live, in the hills of Yehuda, we're isolated. We're like in the middle of the desert. We have a desert to our east. We have a desert to our south. 
to our west is hills. Okay, so there you can, you can connect, but then also you have the, if you keep going west, you hit the Sinai Desert. Okay? The tribe of Judah was in the mountains and isolated. So, uh, also Shem and Shimon, no? Shem and Shimon. Shimon was also, in the, but Shimon and Levi is a different story. I don't want to get into, I don't want to get into uh, too, too far with it. I mean, the, the question is, there's a question today, like when I look at, you know, when I was thinking about these things today, when I look at our society today, we have to identify the power of Yosef, we have to identify the power of, the, of Yehuda, but we also have to identify the power of Shimon and Levi, right? And that's a question, where these powers are and how they're supposed to act together and so forth. So in any case, the division we, has a danger. What's the danger? The danger for Yosef. When Yosef disconnects from the Torah, what's the danger? The danger of Yosef is Ephraim, what does the Pasuk say? Ephraim ba'amim hu yitbolal. That's the Pasuk in Tehilim. Ephraim if he's not connected to the Torah and he wants to be Am Amim, a nation like all nations, one step, two steps, three steps in the direction of the nations, and all of a sudden, what are you doing? Idol worship, and we see that in the, indeed that's what happened with the Northern Kingdom of Israel, right? They, were, they built a, a, a golden calf in Dan and in Betel, right? To replace the temple in Jerusalem. And we see that they started inviting, like, Achav, his wife was Izevil, who worshipped Baal, from the Phoenician shore, from Tzul, right? And we see that, that in, indeed, when Yosef, even though we were talking about, in a positive way, about the idea of the Jew, Jewish nationalism, creating the body for this vehicle that's called Memlech Kohenim Vagoy Kadosh, in order to fulfill its mission, it has to be like all the nations, but if it's like all the nations and not connected to the inner point of the Torah and inner point of Yehuda, what does it become? It becomes just like all the nations. And that is what the Pesukah is saying, that the danger of Yosef is that he could assimilate. He already looks like an Egyptian. He already talks like an Egyptian. He already has an Egyptian name. What's the next step? What direction is he going to go? Okay, that's question one, one moment, one moment. That's danger number one. The danger is that Yosef will copy. Shalom. That Yosef will be copying and really, instead of just speaking the language of the nations, he'll speak in the internal content of the nations. The value system of the nations. Is this making sense? I want to take one step further. Okay? Is Jewish nationalism... Okay, which basically, that's what the Zionist movement was. Jewish nationalism. Is it identical to the nationalism of, the nationalisms of Europe? I mean, in a, in a way, yes. Like, the Italians are proud of Machiavelli, and the British are proud of Shakespeare, and the Jews are proud of uh, the Tanakh, of the Bible. Why not? What's the difference? Is Jewish nationalism just like every other European nationalism, every other nationalism that exists in the world? Okay, so that's the question. If it's disconnected from the, if it's connected to the Torah, maybe it has some kind of different message. But if it's not connected to the Torah, it not, is it any not, different? Maybe not the same. Then it's the same as all these other nationalisms. Now, are these other nationalisms good or not good? Uh, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it becomes uh, what we call the word chauvinism. Okay. Xenophobia. Okay. Uh, very if we look, if we us look. Versus the, us versus the world. Very good. Very good. One, one, of, one, of the, one of the ways I think that... To, let's definitely at the time 
of the spring of nations in Europe, nationalism had an important function. But I think if we look at today, the, the, there's also a debate now even with, with Great Britain, for example, leaving the European Union, and it goes back and forth. But one of the powerful movements, I think, in our world today, especially in the shadow of the Holocaust, in the shadow of what nationalism can become, this fascism, this xenophobia, right? It's definitely one, one of the questions that, that nationalism raises is what is nationalism, many people say, the critics of nationalism, is that nationalism is only an extended form of egoism, of arrogance and egoism. What do I mean egoism? What is egoism? It's me and I want for myself and I don't care about you guys, right? So what is nationalism? It's just, it's me and my people, my nation, and I, and I don't care about everyone else. And everyone else, as far as I'm concerned, can go and jump off the, the, the deck of the boat. I just made up a bad metaphor. Just didn't want to. The, I don't know, the plank of the boat. Maybe it's that better. <laughs> don't write that down. Uh, no. So, but that, that's basically what egoism is. That's what nationalism is. Now let me ask you a question. If Jewish nationalism is that kind of nationalism, is it good or bad? Bad. It could be bad. And then what's the next thing? If I'm connected to the nations of the world, if I'm, my consciousness is connected to the consciousness of the nations of the world, then it's bad for me to be what? To be myself. To be myself. Remember we started to bring up, we started to bring up the idea of why, according to the Midrash, there's a danger that Mashiach ben Yosef will die. Right? That Mashiach ben Yosef will be killed. Now we're, now we're starting to understand a little bit the idea that Mashiach ben Yosef is to be killed. Right? Is this Jewish nationalism going to live or is it going to die? Okay? And in fact, if we look carefully at the Midrash in the Mesechet Sukkah, Nun Bet, where it talks about this eulogy that we brought at the beginning of the series about Mashiach ben Yosef being killed, that's not the only opinion. The other opinion is that it's not Mashiach ben Yosef that's dying in, that, in, in this verse. It's the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination that's dying. In other words, egoism is dying. And uh, maybe in the next class, we'll, I want to go into this subject a little bit more uh, to talk about the connection about what it means that Mashiach ben Yosef might die or we should pray that he shouldn't die and so forth. Um, but that's just a little hint of what's to come. Okay, so now let's go back. If Jewish nationalism is bad, according to this viewpoint, because it's just like all the nationalisms, and I've already determined that other nationalisms are xenophobic, fascist, racist, uh, full of hate for the other, right? Then what's the next step? Is that I have to destroy it. I have to end it. I have to be, to, for me now, what we said at first was for me to be like all the other nations was for me to have my own nationalism. The Romanians have their own nationalism, the Italians have their own nationalism, we'll have our own nationalism. That's the way that I can be like the other nations. But now what's step number two? Now for me to be like the other nations is to realize that me being different from the other nations is bad. And now what do I have to be? That's we have to be uh, universal. not universal, what I'm going to call cosmopolitan. What is cosmopolitan? Cosmopolitan is the idea that I am a citizen of the world. There's me and the world. Cosmopolitical. Universal is something different. That's what I think we really are. Universal is the idea that we have a message 
and a dream and a hope for all of humanity. Does that make sense? Does the, is that difference clear? And therefore we see these two drives in Mashiach ben Yosef taking place in our, in our generation. When it's disconnected, as we said, from the inner teachings of the Torah. Jewish nationalism, on the one hand, which could sometimes have even ugly manifestations if it's not connected to the ideals of the Torah. And on the other hand, those who are in the same camp who are fighting with all they have against Jewish nationalism and trying to become cosmopolitan. To, like nation like all the nations, but a, 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 land, a, a state of all its citizens. That we're all the same. There's really no difference between us. That's why Jewish people support so many liberal causes in the States. That's one of the reasons. Okay. And in fact, this is one of the things that we see. Uh, uh, this is one of the, th- the things that we see in the Northern Kingdom of Israel coming out in the expression. And that's why Rav Cook brings it here. I'll, I'll even I'll, now I'll start to read a little bit what he says here. I'm Indeed, our sins caused these two forces to go awry. The kingdom of David was split. Each of these two forces, which were supposed to unite and work together, they actually started to fight against each other. As though they were two totally different forces, not related one to the other at all. And this and and by this taking place, we lost twofold. The idea of Ephraim, Mashiach ben Yosef, we just described. What happens when he disconnects from the Torah? But now let's ask the opposite question. What happens to the kingdom of David, to Mashiach ben David, to Yehuda, when he disconnects from Yosef? What happens? They bec- uh, ah, very good. Self-contained, not listening to the rest of the world, wanting to be only alone, right? Not being able to express themselves on the, on the stage of world history because they'll say things the rest of the world can't understand what they're saying. They don't even care what the rest of the world says. They don't care what the rest of the world thinks. We're just going to sit here... I, and we don't need to have any manifestation in this physical world even. It's enough for me to be in my four amot of, of halacha. And then what happens? You might preserve the teachings of the Torah, which is a very important thing. Yeah. But it, you're not completing the mission of Israel. Why not? Because the mission of Israel is to be mamlechet kadosh. To be a nation, a priestly nation, and a holy and a holy nation among the nations of the world. In other words, you need both. You need both. And, and, and the disconnect ruins both. Twofold. We lost because Yosef doesn't complete his mission, and we lost because Yehuda doesn't complete his mission. And this is exactly what happens. Okay? Ephraim Okay? Yes. Says that Ephraim was the one who was more, who was more um, greater in spiritual matters. That's why he got the. That's why Yaakov even put his right hand on him when they, with the brachot, and Menashe was the one who was a little bit more um, worldly among the Bnei Yosef. So why is it that 
Ephraim uh, ended up being the leader of B'nai Yosef when it was Menashe who was the one who was more worldly. Like, why didn't the Rabbam come from like Shevet Menashe as opposed to Shevet Ephraim? Well, Ephraim is considered is the leader of Yosef, correct? Right, for spiritual matters. Uh, Ephraim, no, no, no. Ephraim is the tribe that leads Yosef, right? He comes first. He's right. considered the firstborn. Even though he wasn't the firstborn, he's considered the firstborn, right? right? So when we're talking about Yosef, we're talking about Ephraim, okay? As the representative of the tribes of Yosef. And in fact, we're talking about Ephraim, we're talking about as a representative of all the tribes that are the children of Rachel, okay? That's on another. Right. But, but uh, um, uh, correct, okay? And for example, we see Yoshua ben Nun from the tribe of Ephraim. Right? He, he's the one that who led the, the, the people of Israel into the land of Israel. Or we see, for example, uh, even Yehovah. He was from the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was the primary, primary uh, uh, power within Yosef. Okay? The primary power within Yosef. Okay? But, it, but the, the blessing that Yaakov Avinu gave to each of these tribes, for example, he gave the material blessings more to Yosef, and he gave the spiritual blessings more to Yehudah. Kol Yehuda, the voice of Yehuda, yes. Yeah, the point is like to understand that the David doesn't include Yosef, that he preserves Torah, but he doesn't give the message to the world. I understood that Judas doesn't go out and do missionary and things like that. We are waiting for the people to come, and that's what God is written. In a certain temple, the boy will come to Israel. Mm-hmm. They grab the Jews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's to wait for the, the boy, the nation, to come and to, to listen to the message. But I understand of your words, it's this message, we have to go out and mm. to give them a, a message. How do you no, uh, I think the verse is simple. <laughs> that in the time to come, that the message of Hashem will go out from Jerusalem and from Zion to the entire world. Correct? And what you brought up is you said, are we supposed to go out and missionize, or are people supposed to come to, to Zion? And my answer to you is that I did, I, if I said in the way that we're supposed to go out, that's a question. That's something that we have to discuss. Yeah. Uh, and I think it depends on many, many, many issues. It talks about, it, first of all, it's dependent upon whether we're talking about uh, uh, bringing Judaism, as it were, or are we talking about bringing Torah, which is like the ideas of the Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach. The Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach. Are we obliged, for example, that's a question. Are we obliged right now to teach the entire world the Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach, the seven mitzvahs of the, of the Noahide laws? For example, the Rambam brings to Halakha that, that we're supposed to uh, enforce the seven laws of Bnei Noach to the entire world. One of the things that I would claim, for example, in the... In They're supposed to have their own Bnei Mishpat, correct. Why would we Why would we... Because they, if, they did not, if they do not accept the seven mitzvot Bnei Noach, which are basically the foundations of human moral behavior, like, for example, not to murder. If we have the power to show the nations of the world that they're not allowed to murder, and we don't do it, we have not fulfilled our mission. So, for example, what happened this morning? Lo alenu. Did we fulfill our mission in teaching the people of Bani Naim that it's forbidden to murder? Apparently we weren't. Not only that, we know that there are people who are talking about murdering and dying before this happened today. Okay. If anyone had gone on Facebook and looked at in the, and learned Arabic, they would be able to look and read and see who are these people. 
But we're more, we're more concerned with being like the nations of the world, like, because Yosef right now is in the head. And uh, instead of doing what David Amelech would do, in other words, to have the power to use force in the correct way for justice and for righteousness, for the good of all people, for the good, for the good of the Jews and the good of the Arabs. Instead of us doing that, we look for what I call Pax Romana. What's Pax Romana? Quiet. Like, let's just keep things quiet for, for another six months. Let's just, let, let's just try to have Ligia. That's what it's called, Ligia. Keep the things quiet and calm until, you know, you as a, an officer in the army responsible for that go on to another position and then it'll be someone else's job to keep things quiet. The Rambam says explicitly, Am Yisrael is forbidden to, to conquer land unless it's Lashem Shemaim. We're allowed to conquer if we're instating righteousness and goodness in the land. That's what the Rambam says in, in, in Chod Melechim. So the question about what, are we, what is supposed to be our relationship to the nations, that's a good question. I have things to say about that. But... What's first and foremost is we have to have a pipeline to the nations. That's what Yosef is. Yosef is the pipeline to the nations. You know why? Because Yosef looks like an Egyptian, and he talks like an Egyptian, and he knows how to translate our Torah ideas into a language that the Americans and the Chinese and the Italians and, and what's his name, Banki uh, Moon, will understand. He's the head of the UNI nations right now. He was just here. Okay? That is the pipeline. Now, how are we going to use the pipeline? That's not for Yosef to decide. Because when Yosef decides how to use the pipeline in this, in this instance, if he's not connected to it, that's actually, you know what, I, I'm not going to go and read because we're, we're repeating things that, like Rav Kook is saying things that we already said, but let me bring one thing we didn't, we didn't talk about. Okay? The, the Gemara and Masechet Sanhedrin. After this split between Yehovah and Rehovah, the northern tribes of Israel and the southern tribes of Israel, and Judah, the, in, uh, I think it's uh, Duff uh, Kuf, somewhere on Duff Kuf, right? Kuf Kuf Bed, something like that. The Gemara brings this crazy story. The story is this Hashem goes to Yerovan and he says to Yerovan, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, Chazobecha, go back on what you did. Ve'ani, Ata, Ve'ben David, me, you, and the son of David will walk together in paradise, in Gan Eden. Pretty good, no? It's a good offer. All you have to do is say, I don't want this division anymore. I don't want to be fighting against the tribe of Judah. I want us to be working together. You'll work together, he'll work together, and me, Hashem, and Yehovah, and Ben David will be walking together, the Mashiach will be walking together in paradise. Will be, that's the messianic dream. Sounds good, no? What's the question that you all have on us? Who's first? Who's going to be walking first? And Hashem says, Ben David Barosh. Right? In other words, Mashiach Ben David is going to be, has to be at the head. He's going to be leading. And then answers Yehovah. What is his answer to Hashem? If that's the case, I'm not interested. 
And that is the correction that we have to make. Okay? That's the question that we have to be able to make. N we have to be careful, very careful of the, of the desire to be angry. Like Each of us has a soul. And each of our souls is connected more like to one of these tribes. Okay? Some of us are more attracted to Judah, some are more connected to Ephraim, some are more connected to Shimon and Levi, some are more connected to... There's also, by the way, you guys know, there's also other ideas that I didn't bring here. For example, there's what's called Erev Rav. What's the Erev Rav? The great multitude. In other words, there's like an idea of... of, of um, it's a whole... It is, it's still the same thing. Uh, it's a whole... The idea of, you, know, you guys know that when, when the people, children of Israel left Egypt, it wasn't only the children of Israel that left Egypt. There was a great multitude of nations that left with... The children of Israel. Now the question is, why did they leave with the children of Israel? And they caused all these problems. They, they caused. Didn't want they didn't want to be slaves. Well, what did they want? Like, why did they leave? Why did? They, let's ask ourselves this question: Why did the children of Israel leave Egypt? What were they looking to accomplish? What were they thinking? We're going to get out of Egypt, and what? Go back to Israel. Go back to Israel. Go, we're going to go to the land of our fathers, the land that was promised to our fathers. If you read the Psukim, you see. And, and in fact, when they receive the Torah, they're in shock. Like, what's this? Yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? No one ever told me I'm going to get a Torah. No one ever told me I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to have to, uh, uh, you know, uh, put on tefillin every morning. Where's that from? My, I, want to be a, I want to be a part of the nation of Israel. I want to be a part of the people, the children of Aham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We're coming back to the land. Do you want to go? Thanks. I'm always afraid someone's looking for me on the side. Sorry. Uh, now let me ask you this. The great multitude that came out of Egypt with the children of Israel. Why did they come out of the land of, Israel, of Egypt? Economic reason, whatever. Maybe an economic reason, but also because they were enchanted by the figure of Moshe Rabbeinu. Like Moshe proved that Hashem is better than all the gods of Egypt. Right? In other words... They want, there's, a, there's also a tendency within Amisot to just want the Torah and not want to be a part of the nation. To just want the Torah and not want to be a part of the land. And not have the national mission. You understand? Each of these ideas, I want to make it very clear, exist inside of each of us. Some of us have more tendencies to hear, some of us have more tendencies to hear. The idea, the, Moshe Rabbeinu still took those people out. That's why Hashem calls them Amcha. He says, these are your people. Because they were enchanted by the, 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 the religious leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, I guess, just to say, again, I guess for them, the main premise, the main trump card for them was power. They think they want to go with the winner, right? Uh, possibly, but it's also possibly that they had real religious revelations that they saw that this is some, there's something very true and real here. But the, but what's different about the Erev What's different about the Erev is that their motivation was the religious motivation and not the same motivation as the children of Israel, which was to return to our home, like to the land that was promised to our people, to our tribal ancestry, ancestors. 
And then there's a question all the time is, did we want to go to the land? Or we not go to the land? Do we want to go back to Egypt? Where does that come from? Moshe left us. Let's make a golden calf. Right? We need, we need to have that religious figure in front of us. And that's why many of our sources blame the Arab Rav all the time for all these falls throughout the desert when we're coming back to the land of Israel. Because there's a force inside of Am Yisrael, the Meraglim, the spies. Wait, wait a second. We don't want to go there. Who, where does that come from? What is that force that's saying we don't want to go into the land? We don't want to be, we don't want to manifest as a nation. That's something that's existent within us all the time. How did I get to that just now? Well, you have something to say. Okay. What's that? Okay. Did the Arab world also experience the rule of the ship, like even a ship by the Yeah. I didn't see what, what the Yechazkel said. Uh, that's a good question. I have to think about it and check it. I have to, it's a good question. My, my, my assumption is that yes, because the, the Midrash says that, uh, you know, Kol Hashem right? The voice of Hashem Bekoach. And the Midrash says, it, it, it's like the literal translation is, that Hashem's voice is heard with strength. Yeah, that's one way to that. Uh, Hashem's voice is heard with strength. But the Midrash says, Bekoach, that it's each individual felt Hashem's presence according to his own, his own personal individual power, power. In other words, the way it was appropriate for him. Okay? So, um, so that is, yeah, I, I, I believe, like, and definitely the, we're all descendants from those, that original Erevav as well. Right? Partially. Partially. Right? Among others. Okay, is that clear? So, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll summarize here because already I think it's the end of, of, of the class. Uh, where we are right now, we're talking about the pitfalls and the dangers of Yosef and Yehuda, the power of Meshach ben Yosef and Meshach ben David, being separated, okay, which we saw historically in the separation of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, uh, northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And we can even identify inside of our own lives the idea of what happened to Jewish nationalism when it starts to become, the, first of all, the positive aspects of it, and why Rav Cook saw that there were many positive aspects in it, because it gives us a body again among the nations. And, and uh, on the other hand, we can see what happens when it disconnects from the, um, say, the spiritual teachings of our people, as well as we can see the dangers of the spiritual, this more spiritual side of our people disconnecting from wanting to be a part of the physical, material realm and expressing ourselves as a nation among the world in the land of Israel, right? Uh, and those two dangers are, are dangers that are existent uh, uh, to this day. And we brought the Midrash in Masechet Sanhedrin where, um, uh, uh, where Hashem says to Yovam, go back on your, go back. And we will all walk together in Gan Eden. And Yovam says, and this is the, maybe the pitfall and the problem of how we're, we remain separated. If the question is, what is, it, what is this really? The, 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 what is he saying? He's saying, this is a battle of egos. And the minute we're in a battle of egos, that's sinat chinam. That's baseless hatred. And the correction of that has to be that we have to find a way for all of these powers to work harmoniously together to advance the Jewish people, to recognize that there's a place where we have to have a pipeline to the nations, and there's a purpose of that, that aspect of Am Yisrael that is more like the nations, 
And the, that pipeline has to be connected to the, the teachings of our people, the spiritual teachings of our people. And the only way that that's going to happen is by overcoming the Yetzirah, the ego, that, that blocks us from being able to work together. Where each is trying to overcome the other, we're not going to succeed. When each is trying to enhance the other and harmonize with the other, then it can work. And indeed, in that harmonization, there's a head and there's a body. And the question is, what's more important? A head or a body? If I don't have a head, I'm not going to get anywhere. But if I don't have a body, I'm not going to get anywhere. And that's the realization that we have to be able to come to. Yes. I'm sorry? Yeah. No, no. The idea that Rav Kook wanted to express in, in sweetening the bitterness was that for most of the Torah-loyal world, at the time of the early Zionist movement, okay, when they looked at the early pioneers, from the first, not from much from the first Aliyah, but from the second Aliyah onward, what did they see? A bunch of heretics. They're not keeping Shabbat, there's sexual immorality, there's... Uh, they, they're, 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 they're basically heretics according to every definition that, that we have in the Torah world. Now, how are we supposed to react to them? Most of the Torah world said, reject them. And Rav Cook said, no, let's take that bitterness and make it sweet. Because what they're really doing is th- they're building our nation. They're building the roads, they're building the kibbutzim, they're reestablishing Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel. And now we have to bring it, bring it close and make it sweet. Instead of just rejecting the bitterness and cutting it off, we have to take it and learn how to make it sweet. And only someone who's able to do that can come into the Beit Midrash of Mashiach.